you know, I think when you got a couple kids at home and um, you just kind of risk everything, I think, it, it, you know, some people are, are willing to go all the way. Yeah. And yeah. like I was in the deep end and for me, losing is not an option. Yeah. Man. And um, so that was, that was, you know, that was kind of the first sign to myself, like, damn, you really are willing to do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that's a validating thing too. You know, like I, you know, we can laugh about it now, but like, it was a, a real thing. I'm like, I know this brand is going to be successful. I know I'm going to be able to hire a couple brewers who make good beer. Like I'm doing it. I'm right. doing it. I have to get this thing off the ground. So our guest today on the Darren Woodson Show is Josh Landon. And you're going to get to know Josh Landon because this guy is not only one of the great entrepreneurs of our time, but a man that is not afraid to take a chance. And deservedly, even though he's an Eagles fan, and we won't go, we won't go deep into that. Yeah, we about, but, we about had to cut the podcast yes. immediately when yeah. we found that out. Yes. <laughs> Trust me, I had second thoughts on even doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Touche. Very well played. Very well played. But Josh, to all those entrepreneurs that are out there in our audience that are listening to this show, I want you guys to just tune in for the next hour and hear uh, the stories. And, and, and Josh, what we want to do is we want to go back and tell your yeah. story first before we get into what you are currently doing and what got yeah. you into being an entrepreneur. But, you know, we want to go back to, to your childhood and tell your journey yeah. as far as where did you grow up? What were the family dynamics and through yeah. the process? Yeah, I grew up um, in a small coastal town called Ventura here in Southern California and a lot of blue collar town, you know, working class town. And, um, you know, most of the people kind of doing the same things, working nine to five jobs, construction and, and all those types of things. And my parents got divorced when I was really young. Um, I was about three. And then my, my mom, it's funny looking back, you kind of don't realize it in the, in the middle of it as a kid, obviously, but my mom, you know, she wasn't an entrepreneur, but she definitely did things like she had a lot of careers in life. Um, you know, she put herself through law school just to support us as, as I was growing up. And I think being around all that and, and I was an awful student. I mean, mm -hmm. like I hated school with a passion, even mm -hmm. my kids asking me questions now about school. I'm like, I don't know. Ask your mom. I have no <laughs> idea. You know, even my, my fourth, fifth graders, like, what can you help me with? I'm like, Actually, I can't. There's, if you want me to like fuck up your entire, you know, education. And, um, but yeah, ask your mother. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I was an awful student. My mom, Ivy League graduate, and mm. um, you know, like I said, put herself through law school, and and she would always tell me as a kid, like you know, you can you can really do whatever you want. And for me, I guess I actually believed it. I actually believed that I kind of could do you know, anything. And, um, you know, within reason, right. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to be a, a safety in the NFL anytime soon, but if there was any, you know, other career choices, like I really felt like I could do whatever it took if I could just kind of use my work ethic and, and be creative and, and those types of things. And then I, 
um, you know, did all the normal played sports through high school, which is what really kept me there and um, met my my eventual wife. My wife and I have been together since we were 15. We're both wow. 41 now. Um, and awesome. so we met in high school and um, I fell in love with surfing in high school. And then ultimately I fell in love with surf films. Mm-hmm. And um, right out of high school, I basically was done. I didn't, I didn't go to college and um, I wound up being a surf filmmaker right around 18. Um, and then I made films for the next 12 years of my life. Um, I was a documentary filmmaker and, and, and had a lot of success as a filmmaker. One, won a lot of film festivals with a couple documentaries and then wound up making music videos in LA, which was an absolute nightmare. Mm. Um, and you know, so like coming kind of being an entrepreneur and alcohol, I'm not even like a big drinker. Mm. So it didn't, it really, it really kind of came out of nowhere. I think for, for everybody except maybe me. Let's go back. Um, Sorry. I don't mean to cut you off there. Yeah, no, it's Uh, okay. Let's go, let's go back to, okay. So high school, you graduate, you decide not to go to school. Your mom who was Ivy league educated, uh, went back to law school. What was that when you made that decision? What was that conversation like with her or, or was there a conversation Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, she always supported me, Mm. um, which is, which is crazy, which is where, you know, like whether it's your, we'll kind of get more into it as the story evolves, but really like when you're younger, it's your parents. And then as you kind of move into, you know, an adult and and the different decisions you make, you know, dreams can kind of live and die with your spouse. Mm -hmm. Right. But that, that first layer is, your folks. Mm-hmm. Right. And if, if you have parents that are around. Right. Yeah. Um, and so for me, yeah, my mom, you know, I, I mean, obviously she said like the, the normal thing, like what in the hell is a surf film? You know, like, uh, yeah, what, is right. that? Yeah. what does that mean? It sounds like you're unemployed. I mean, did you move to Santa Cruz or did you, did yeah, you say no, it's like, that, that was the thing was like some of the best surfers in the world um, in surfing's history have actually yeah. come from this Ventura, Santa Barbara County area. Right. Um, so it was really a fortunate place to be, to, to fall in love with that. Um, which is just luck. Right. Um, but my mom, yeah, she supported it the whole time. I mean, it so, wasn't, um, yeah, never, never really a question. So Darren, Darren would you ever surf? Yeah. <laughs> bro, <laughs> see. Hey, bro, there's sharks <laughs> somewhere no. in the ocean. He ain't getting in it. Black folks, <laughs> water sharks. I, it, does, it doesn't add up. No, it just, no I'm not happening. But I, I do have a question about your father. Was your father in your life yeah. early on? Yeah, he was. Um, I think, you know, when they, I think my dad, you know, so the funny thing, it, it, kind of the, the, the more of the backstory is I was adopted at six months mm. mm-hmm. and, you know, being now I have three kids and um, kind of looking back, I think maybe my dad, you know, he was around, but I think was more about himself than me. Mm-hmm. Right. So he never really, became that father that was, you know, the kind of dad that I am that's there and supportive and yeah, like unconditional love no matter what. And, and they're my priority, right. Mm -hmm. And Janine and the kids are my priority. And that was never the case for him, Mm. you know? So I think, um, and like I said, when you're in the middle of it, 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 it's not as glaring, right. Mm -hmm. You, you see maybe the way other, you know, dads interact with their kids, but, 
you know, it's not really until you have kids where you go, wow, that was, what a disappointment that was. Yeah. 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 So I want to, I want to just kind of throw a pin in this and I want to come back to it, but the the idea of passion following, you said, I fell in love with surfing and Mm -hmm. I figured out a way to make a living in it, be successful. I want, Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to come back Mm -hmm. to that. But, you know, chronologically here, you said you met it's Janine, mm-hmm. right? You said your, your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. met Janine mm-hmm. at 15. Dude, just walk mm-hmm. us through that, right? Like, I always love, I always love mm-hmm. hearing that story of, of the, the connection between two people that are so impactful on each other's yeah. lives. Yeah, I mean, I fell in love with her first day of health class um, freshman nice. year, she, she opened the door and it was like, that. I'm like, Holy shit. Light, light behind her that? wind blowing in yeah. her hair. Yeah. Like dream weaver the whole nine yards. Um, but I think, you know, we, we became, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the, the typical story. We became friends and she was only interested in dating older guys, of course, mm. uh, our freshman and sophomore year. And then I like to think that she finally saw the light and um so what you're what saying is early on you had no game oh you were friend zoned. <laughs> so were you friend zoned? <laughs> were you in the friend zone yeah, for the we, first two years she was like oh i mean he's just in love with me and it's kind oh, of it's cute, cute you know? yeah oh yeah, yeah and yeah. he's kinda like cute. and he's kind of husky yeah. you know he's a little <laughs> i feel you on that one josh <laughs> like feel you on that one. when the older guys that i date break up with me he's so good to go watch a movie with yeah, he's like i mean what a sweetheart we're watching can't buy me love and ferris bueller and um, but yeah, so, so she, you know, and then obviously w- once I got a girlfriend, she was like, Oh, oh wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, you're not supposed to. Yeah. And then the yeah. rest is history. Yeah. Advice yeah. to those, those young boys that are, are in the friend zone, go get a, another girlfriend. Yeah. Cause it honestly, it is. it's, yeah. it's a That's sure thing. Like you'll find out if there's ever a shot, like if you yeah. ever have That's a shot, it. that'll, that'll clarify. It. Okay. So, 100%. so you guys do start dating at end of, yep. end of high school. Is that about right? If you met at yep. 15, a couple of years, end yep. of high school, yep. walk us yep. through kind of that. And then as you, as you roll out of high school into this new career that you found. Yeah. I mean, she, we kind of had like the, you know, a lot of people have a hard time with high school. I mean, we, you know, aside from my grades being not so amazing, you know, playing water polo and she was a captain cheerleader and, and, um, you know, I won homecoming and so did she. And like, we kind of had like the classic kind of, kind of story together. And, um, you know, it was, it was kind of the start of, you know, I think Janine, you know, she's been really the only one, through, through all of this that has always supported me, no matter what, you know, she's never Mm -hmm. said, you know, what if it doesn't work out? What if this, or what if that, like, I've been really, really blessed in that way that, you know, she's been supportive, no questions asked. And I think that's probably pretty rare. Yeah. So so did you, so let's go back and, and, you know, what was that, what was that like as far as that, that relationship? Cause you know, we always hear, we hear a lot of these stories about, you know, your wife being on board early on uh-huh. and Tyler has uh-huh. a great story mm-hmm. of his journey in which his wife was ride or die. She was ride or die. Like <laughs> she paid for everything. He was trying to, trying to live his dream. Did she mm-hmm. have any aspirations to go on to college? Uh, did you yeah, have did. any? Okay. So what did that look like? Yep. Yeah. So I made my first film down here in San Diego and she went to San Diego state. Mm. Um, so it kind of worked out that way. Um, there's a pro surfer here from Carlsbad. His name's Taylor Knox. And Mm -hmm. I made a documentary on his life story, um, when I was 20 and that's kind of like what, what started everything. That's awesome. Um, and then her mom, and then she graduated from college and her mom got 
uh, sick with cancer and we moved back to Ventura and I wound up making a documentary on the history of modern surfing and, and, um, Kelly Slater's life story and Tonger and, and Love it. Um, some of the others. And that's what, that's what just won a lot of film festivals and, and kind of started really, really going. Yeah. Man, that's amazing. So, so what was it yeah. about filmmaking that, that drew you in? You know, you, you talked about being into surfing and then you didn't want to go to college, mm-hmm. but what, what was it about filmmaking that, that drew you in? You think? I think it's the same with brands. Now I really enjoy telling stories. I, I, I really enjoy like the, the human stories mm-hmm. and everybody has, I think there's so many inspirational stories, you know, from folks that are celebrities or not celebrities. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I've always enjoyed talking to people and, um, and, and hearing about them. You know, I'm not like a big, um, networking person. I actually, I'm awful at it and I, I do not like it. You know, like I, I hate if I'm at an event, I'm in the back and leaving and as fast as humanly possible, you know? So Sounds like Ben. Yeah. yeah. I mean, dude, you're describing me to a T. Yeah. I'm not, Dad? you know, like everybody, yeah, where do you go? Um, um, I'm famous for that. Like uh, just checking out, not saying bye and, um, the Irish goodbye, but I think, yeah. So I think, you know, for me, but, the, but just storytelling, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy telling people stories and, and, and it's fun to be inspired. Mm-hmm. Like it's fun to have that feeling when you see something and you, you know, something really moves you and yes. gets you going. Right. So yeah. I like being the one to be able to do that for folks. So yeah. were these were, these were films and documentaries that you were producing. Were these, were these yep. films profitable? Um, actually I started making a living as a filmmaker when I was 26, okay. um, to where I was, that was it, you know, like I was, uh, so I was bartending in Santa Barbara to make that the film, the on Kelly and, and Tom. And then from there, like the films, the budgets I would get, the films were, I was making a living, you know, mm. like was supporting Janine and I, we were married at that point already. So, um, yeah, no, this is, this is cool to hear. Because there's a huge gap between graduating high school and starting yeah. to make money in yeah. film. There's that for seven, sure. eight-year gap right there. So I'm yeah. curious how you approach We're going to marinate here for a while, yeah. just so you know. Yeah, this, this, is, this is fascinating to me. How, how you kept that dream alive while just mm-hmm. trying to, to survive, essentially, and trying to make money. Mm-hmm. How did you know that that dream was worth pursuing when the results weren't there in the moment? Or at least the monetary yeah, I mean, result. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is too, is with these films, like they take a while, right. The, 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 the documentary I'm speaking about the, you know, it took two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're telling 35 years of history on like a shoestring budget mm-hmm. and you're, you're kind of working, you know, other jobs to make it happen and, and you got to travel and, you know, so it was, I think, you know, you can kind of stay focused cause you know, the film's not done yet. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. I think the difference was, is I, I, until I started making money, making movies, I never asked about making money, Mm. right? It wasn't Mm. about that. Like my first five years, I I made no money. Like I, I, but I never even asked, right? Like I started my career for a guy working for a guy named Taylor Steele, who is a surf filmmaker. And, and, um, I traveled around the world filming the best surfers in the world and I never made any money. Um, but I didn't care. Yeah, That's, right. I, I didn't. I just wanted to be a part of it and um, kind of start my career that way. And 
And I think, but, you know, for me, I, I've never been driven by money, even with, you know, the success I've had later in life. I, the motivation has never been money. It's always been to compete. Yeah. Yeah. So, so back to that pin, right? That passion Mm -hmm. aspect is, I mean, and especially in the entrepreneurial field, um, Mm -hmm. especially, but uh, I I just, I feel like our culture is so ingrained and and hardwired, right? To, to pick a career. We had a conversation the other day, Mm -hmm. pick a career early on and that's what you got to do. And you don't Mm -hmm. ever take into account what your gifts are, what your passions are. And it is mm-hmm. a little cliche, so I'm not going to act like I'm reinventing the wheels. But like, oh, follow your passion and you won't work a day in your life, that whole deal. But, mm-hmm. but really, I think that takes, it takes a level of self-trust to mm-hmm. continue pursuing that. And, and, yep. and, and with harder times, with working two jobs, with you know, trying to raise money for a film that you've got to make and, and ask people, I mean, all the things that go into you know, entrepreneurship mm-hmm. or, or whatever, you know, you're doing filmmaking, whatever it may be, but mm-hmm. you're, you're going through that time. There has to be hard times too, right? Was there mm-hmm. any times through that that you were like, man, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to keep pushing through this or, I mean, was it, I don't care. I just love it. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. I mean, um, I would say the reverse of that is what were, how many of them were the good times, Mm-hmm. Um, and my business is now, I always tell people there's moments of fun, mm. right there. And, and the rest is stressful and taxing and fucking hard. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I was younger, you know, I never, I felt like I just, I just kept working at it. And I think, you know, I think there's things that drive you too. I think what, what in a lot of ways, I think the attention that I didn't get, from my dad was, you know, I was doing these, you know, things that were maybe a little bit bigger than the average person, right. You're making movies and then, and then ultimately going into, you know, creating these massive alcohol businesses, really like looking for approval. You know, I didn't really notice it in the moment, but I think that's what I was looking for. And, and, you know, by making films, you know, if you make a film that somebody likes, they say, wow, that was so amazing. Or you did such a great job or this and that. Whereas with, maybe like a typical nine to five job, like most of my friends have, you know, people aren't patting you on the back for how amazing you were that day. And I think the insecurity in me was, was looking for that. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what drove me to, you know, kind of be outside the box Mm -hmm. successful. Mm -hmm. And I always had a lot of self-confidence in, I, you know, when people say, are you, God, are you so surprised at, you know, the success you've had and, and, and in no arrogant way at all, I'm, I'm not surprised. Mm. I'm not surprised. Like that was always, I always knew I would do something that would not be kind of like a mundane life. Like I just, that wasn't for me. So, so have you all, I mean, we, we talked earlier about this and this is the, one of the questions I have for, for all, so many entrepreneurs that are out there. Do you think you're born an entrepreneur you think it's just yep. in you to be an entrepreneur or, you know, yep. a worker be, you know, is that the, mm-hmm. do you think you're just born with the, those qualities? Yeah, I think it's a, cause I think it's a personality, you know, I mean, you guys could probably imagine how many people say like, they want me to like tell them one magic sentence and like give them the magic pill. And then mm-hmm. I say, you know, I say something inspirational and they go, that's it. I'm doing it. I'm going to go create Netflix or whatever, <laughs> you know, like that's, um, and, but I think it really, you know, 
being an entrepreneur in a lot of ways is like your personality, mm. right? Do you do you have that personality that um, has the ability to lead folks and have them believe in your vision, whether they're employees or investors or you know whoever it is you're you're doing? You know that's God given, right? Mm. Whether you have those qualities or not, and I think there's that. I think people read the magazines and they see the you know, things on TV or they listen to these podcasts and they go, I want to be an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. but your personality is just not that you're not that person. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've somehow raised almost $50 million over the last eight years. And it's from folks like us. Mm -hmm. I've not one venture capital firm, nothing. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's like, and then, and then once you have a win, you know, and I, I sold my first beer company to Coors you know, then what happens? And a lot of the reason why I even sold it to them was to see how I would feel. Mm, Would you want to buy more houses and Bentleys or do you want to come back to the beginning and compete at the highest level? And like when people say like they, you know, it sounds nice to say that I don't give a fuck about the money because you don't want to sound like an egotistical prick. Yeah. Right. But like, do you really mean it? And it's easy to say you don't care about the money when you have no chance of making any. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So Ben right. asked this all the time, and it's like such it's such a great question. But when you got there, how did you feel when you sold the company? You made the yeah. money. Yeah. Was it any? Was it anything and everything that you thought it would be? No, I didn't feel anything. Uh, um, I didn't feel anything. I didn't like, and I thought something was like wrong. Yeah. You know, I'd never. You know, I. I didn't like, even when we bought the house and you know, our life changed right overnight mm. and um, you know, money just wasn't really something we worried about anymore, but then it, you know, you know, it adds other layers of issues, right. Mm, yeah. um, that come along with it. But really from what I, I felt like I just wanted to win. And yeah. I think that was reason ultimately why it didn't work out with cores was I wanted to win by any means necessary mm. and they didn't. And so I left and they said, you're leaving. We pay you tons of money. Mm. We just paid you tons of money. And I said, I don't give a shit. I want to win and you don't. Mm. So that's it. Good luck. Was it a situation where you had to be in the office? Were you, did you have to, let me ask, have you ever had to be be in the office and buttoned up? (laughs) You knew where I was going with this, right? Yeah. You were, you're not corporate America. No, they tried to like give me a key card and put it on my office door. I'm like, the fuck out of here. I'm not scanning scanning the key card. And don't ask me for receipts on the Amex either. Just pay the bill. Just pay the bill. I'll give you the log. And you figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Just hit pay. That's all you gotta know, man. Yeah. We we just kind of um, quit in Tarantino the story a little yeah, bit. Let's crazy. uh I think that's the right isn't that the producer that, like starts with jump, the end and jumps jump, around. Yeah. yeah. Let, we we skipped a big part of your life here. So let's talk about how yeah. you went from filmmaker, you know, surf yeah. films, skateboard films, all that. Maybe let's yeah. talk through that transition into yeah. you know becoming in the entrepreneur and and that whole process. Yeah, it was really a, a, a simple story. I was on, I went on a surf trip to Puerto Rico with a couple of my friends that were on tour and um, a tequila brand approached them about investing in the company and being an ambassador for them. And they asked me what I thought. And I said, you know, tequila, I'm not, I'm not sure I really see it. And, and no professional athletes are drinking energy right. drinks, right? right. Right. As much as as much as Red Bull and Monster would love you to think this, they are, this one does. <laughs> I'm not a professional athlete anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, in, yeah. in, 
in the middle of it. You're right. It, no, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys aren't. Guys aren't. Our boy Dak is not drinking a Red Bull. Hundred percent. Right. Right. Correct. Right. Correct. Um, so I said, why don't you guys? Why don't you do a beer? I mean, everybody drinks beer for the most part, whether you have one a day or one every six months. Like, I mean, a beer that that seems easy. And on better yet, why don't you do a craft beer? Like all of us drink those from time to time. And you know, you live in San Diego; it's the craft beer capital of the yeah, U.S. For sure. And um, and I thought to myself, craft beer. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't I mean? Why doesn't how come that has never come from our culture of skateboarding and surfing and you know, film and art and photography, kind of the real culture of California, not mm-hmm. so much the board shorts and Malibu bullshit that some of these brands put out there. That's just not. You mean Hurley's real. not super authentic? <laughs> I'm gonna Billabong? Not, not I gotta anymore. hide my Quicksilver <laughs> tag here. <laughs> not anymore. Not, Nike ruined that one. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, you know, and I said, I mean, I'm gonna do it. I can do a craft beer. I mean, how hard can it be? Well, it was, it was hard. It was fucking really hard. But, um, and I, that was it. I was not a brewer. I didn't know anybody in the beer business. I didn't know anything about beer. And I, I definitely didn't know what a capital raise was. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Talk to us and, about the capital raise. We, we got to yeah. hear how this, and I know you've raised, you've been very successful in your yeah. raises. Yeah. I just went, I mean, so I thought about it for a little bit, a couple of weeks and, and I, I just, I went home and told Janine, Hey, I, we're going to, you know, I'm going to do St. Archer and we're going to move to San Diego and I'm going to do what's called a capital raise mm-hmm. and I'm going to build a craft brewery, um, down there and, and we're moving. And my daughter was three and a half and my oldest son was six months old and she said, I'll find us a place to live. And, uh, no questions. Um, just, okay. I'll find no. us a spot. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, and so I came down here and and somehow raised three million dollars. And I think this is where this is kind of where the personality comes in. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I think you I always tell people that that's the main question. Right. How did you raise that first three million? Because then once you're successful, it gets, you know, it gets easier. Um, But um, that first three million was you know, if you think about the story right now, I'm, I'm talking to you guys and we're talking about St. Archer. I'm like, listen, fellas, I just moved my family down here. I'm building this brewery. Here's the deck. You guys love the way it looks. You love the brand. You understand it. Right. And then, and I'm in the deep end. They're like, Mm. this dude has no money. He just put everything he has into the business. He moved his family away from the only town that they know. This fucking thing has to work. Mm. (laughs) Right. Mm. You know, like, and that's the kind of dude you go, I got 25 grand. Yeah. I got 10 grand. In some cases, I got 100 grand. And just one person, like, I would, somebody would say yes. And then I'd say, hey, do you know anybody that, you know? And then the first, like, 500,000 or so was, you know, pro skaters and surfers and um, snowboarders. And I think when you get, you know, a lot of the best guys on board, um, that's exciting to folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it, the simple fact is there was really no reason for them to be investing in me to build a craft brewery. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm not a brewer. I, I don't know anybody. I don't know anything about anything. Right. Right? Like I don't, I don't, I don't know anything. Had and, you made um, a single beer yet at this point? No. Okay. So you didn't have no. little tasters or samples? 
No. Um, <laughs> Why would I do I'll that, guys, Tyler? Yeah, how did, I'll, yeah. Give you, I'll give you guys a story. I'll give you guys a story. And I haven't really, some people know this, but I, I haven't really told it on a podcast, but I'll, 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 I'll give you this one. Exclusive yeah, content. Yeah. Exclusive content. Here we go. So we get into this capital raise and, um, and folks say the obvious question, Hey, I'd love to try it. And I'm all shit. I didn't think of that. Uh, I give the last bit to the last guy. You, you want to try what? I'm like, what do you uh, want to drink the beer for? I'm telling you it's going to be good. We got all these like pro surfers. We're good. And, and, and people were like, no, no, no. Seriously, we need to try the fucking beer. Like, if you if you if you want me to give you twenty five grand, we need to try the beer. And I'm like, dude, I okay. Um, so I'm at Trader Joe's, and I'm like, you know, shopping or whatever, and looking at the beer, and then I'm looking at their beer, and I'm like, hey, that. I mean, I'm looking at it, and I, should I buy it? And I'm like, ah. And then I pull the bottle out, and it's like the paper label. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I mean, these paper labels just come off. Just soak these right. in, soak these in the sink, and they'll roll right come off. off. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll so edit this out. Don't worry. Hey, man. I, I, raised, I raised about three mil on Trader Joe's on beer. Trader Joe's beer. So oh my god. <laughs> That's, that's straight up by any means Classic by any means necessary. Dude, that is amazing. Yeah. And that's what you talk about. It's your personality, man. Yes. That, yeah. that, yeah. that is a true that's it, an Any means bro. necessary. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh. yeah, after like, we got the rate. To- <laughs> Go ahead. Is it ethically towing the line? Yes. <laughs> um It's a know, representation dude, got- of what you were going to. Oh, that's man. right. This is just, this is just an like, example. Gonna, yeah, I mean, did people say, so this is St. Archer? You bet your ass. <laughs> All right, how do so I replicate? I, this? I'm gonna do my best to make it taste like this. No, I, uh, I think, like, you know, I think when you got a couple kids at home and um, you just kind of risk everything, I think. Mm. It, it, you know, some people are, are willing to go all the way. Yeah. And yeah. like I was in the deep end and for me losing is not an option. Yeah. Man. And, um, so that was, that was, you know, that was kind of the first sign to myself, like, damn, you really are willing to do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that's a validating thing too. You know, like I, you know, we can laugh about it now, but like, it was a, a real thing. I'm like, I know this brand is going to be successful. I know I'm going to be able to hire a couple brewers who make good beer. Like I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I have to get this thing off the ground. So let's talk about that because beer is nothing new, right? There's tons of beer companies out there. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about breaking into an industry that is, you know, it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not like you're inventing anything. How did you go about that? I mean, I know you were going after a different niche, niche, whatever that word is. So context, what year was this when you went through your race? This is about 10 years ago. Okay. So it's still on the front end of that craft beer craze, right? Like that's before. Kind of at the tail end, to be honest. Was it? Okay. Um, It was, yeah. Tyler, my question was valid. Sorry. Stupid. Stupid. (laughs) I apologize. I'm embarrassed. It was was no, no, no. It was at the tail end of, of kind of like the, where it was just going vertical, okay. right? Mm. Like it was, it was, but it was right before companies started getting acquired. I was yeah. going to say like Ballast Point, probably, for example. That probably one. most importantly. Yeah. We sold okay. two months before them. Okay. So like, yeah. um, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it, yeah, it was, I mean, it, I think for me when I was in Ventura and I had the idea and I would be looking at the beer shelves, I, 
I would say, gosh, brands like Ballast Point or Stone or Sierra Nevada or, you know, these huge breweries, I would say, I don't know anything about them. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know anything about them. And, you know, coming from skateboarding and surfing, you know, I know everything about Vans and right. I know everything about Supreme and I know everything about, right. Whether you, whether your friends created those brands or Volcom or any of the, the ones that our friends have started, the fans of skateboarding and surfing know the story behind Quicksilver mm-hmm. and Hurley and like right. all of these different things. And in beer, you don't know anything. And I'm like, how is that even possible? Like, how is this it's selling just because it's here? That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. And if that is the case, I can outbrand everything on this shelf. Wow. I just have a better eye for what I think looks good. And the only difference between St. Archer and everything else was brand. Yeah, we wow. launched the brand with a blonde ale, a pale ale, and an IPA, the three most generic craft beers in the country. And we became the fastest growing craft beer overnight in the U.S. Is, is that so, because, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So it was all brand, right? When you're, mm. that's what I, that's what I've done. And, um, you know, I look at categories, you know, you look at multi-billion dollar categories, you know, if you just go to a grocery store, you can put yourself through that and go look at the bread and the cheese and the milk and the, you look at all of these different categories. They're all multi-billions mm-hmm. and all of them are asleep at the wheel. Mm. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, they're asleep at the wheel. And I think you can really exploit that if you have the vision and the balls to do it. Mm. So maybe get in a little bit to that to that example uh, without maybe giving away your secret sauce if that's if you want to keep that you know close to your chest. But what in the craft beer or beer industry? What did you see was the gap? Just because there was no story associated with it, yeah. you want to tell the story? Yeah, just, was it? Yeah, just like just just real branding, like yeah. you know having. The, ha- you know, promoting an aspirational life that people connect to Mm -hmm. that they associate with your brand. It's, it's nothing new. It's like the Marlboro man in the seventies. It's like that. That's, it's nothing new. It's, it's nothing that like apparel and shoes and cars and in a lot of cases, alcohol and cigarettes they've been doing for years, Mm -hmm. but craft beer hadn't done it just like hard seltzer hadn't done it. Mm, right? Right. So like there's, there, it just, it just hadn't happened. And yeah. so I just took all of those lessons from, I mean, St. Archer could have been a clothing business, mm-hmm. right. right? Right. It just so happened to be a craft beer. Mm. Right. You get a great audience as well. You were working day to day with the, with the audience that you were mm-hmm. building it around. So what I was, am the audience. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 That's what I was going to say is you understood yeah. who you were after because it was you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was me and it was, and it was just what I was into. And I think like, you know, you, you know, having dealt with bigger brands like, you know, Coors or Bud or, you know, those, they, they go through all these focus groups and they do all right. Like, I don't give a shit what anybody thinks. Mm. I create the brands that I like and my friends like, and my family likes If nobody else likes it. They can fuck off. Like I don't authenticity though. Right. That's what we're, we're craving that. We really are. Yeah, I think that's what everybody's looking for. Yeah, love that. So you mentioned you blew up overnight. You're the fastest growing craft brew uh, brewery brand uh, in the country. So you're new to this to that industry Mm -hmm. per per se. Mm -hmm. What was that learning curve like? And and how did you how did you adjust to the massive growth that you were experiencing? And and how did you find the right team to put around you? 
Yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, you know, you're, I was going from being a filmmaker to, you know, I'm like a CEO of a business mm-hmm. and, and like managing a business. And, you know, in the end we had 80 some odd employees. Mm. Um, and I learned all that on the fly. Yeah. Like I said, I just put myself into the deep end and I was comfortable managing people and, and, you know, articulating my vision and holding people to certain standards to uh, follow through with that vision. Mm. Right. And I think when you have that type, it goes back to personality. When I sit in front of folks and, you know, try and recruit them to come work with me, people see that and they feel the warmth and authenticity and they, they can, you know, visualize what I'm trying to do. And that was a, a really big deal. What was the first thing you had to do? You started your business, right? So, and I get it. You had the marketing side of it. You understood who your, who your group mm-hmm. was that you're going to be marketing to. But as a business, as a CEO, what was the first, what was probably the most important decision you made? I fired um, our first brewer, uh, graphic designer and VP of sales a month before we launched the brand. Oh, Wow. So good morning. Yeah. Good morning. <laughs> wow, that was a wake up Didn't call. Didn't know you huh? were going there. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think I, I think I knew they weren't right. Mm. And I think it was kind of one of those validating times for me too, knowing that I had the courage to do that. You know, yes. you're, you're, you're kind of in a lot of ways, they're going to view you like you're ruining their life. Right. Cause right. no one takes any accountability when you fire them. Right. Um, and like, I was willing to do that. And, um, and I knew they weren't right. And, and ultimately found the people that were, you know, how hard, how hard was that though? I mean, that you just said it a little bit right now. That was, that was kind of, you know, something that was, that's edgy on your end because you know, it's your first role. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. You know, the people that go, I don't care, blah, blah, blah. Of course, of course people do. Right. Right. Like I've, I think it was, you know, I had never done it before. I'd never fired anybody. And, and, um, you know, I always have kept it short and sweet and, and, um, but it's hard. It, it's hard. You know what you're doing to them and, and like they got to go home and tell their wives or significant yeah. other, like I just got fired and they have kids and it's, mm. uh, but I, you know, because of those, I think because of those first, you know, three times I, I really in a lot of ways distanced myself from the staff, Yeah. you know, and, um, you know, being a, a CEO of a business is a lonely place, man. Yeah, It's a lonely place. It's, it's, it can be really lonely. And that's what one of the investors told me early on. I didn't understand until I was in it, but it's, you know, you, you kind of, everything stops with you and there's some CEOs that are high fives all the time and, and uh, excited. That's not me. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't really want to get attached because I know like with, Football, Football. yeah, you know, like the, the front office, they don't want to know how your kids are doing, yeah, because right. they no. need to be able to cut you or trade you at any second, right? That's right. And yeah. so it's the same, it's yeah. the same type deal. Like you're fired, and I we've never been to a barbecue together, right. you know. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's the Belichick. I mean, and, and I love Jason yeah. Garrett, but like, let's look at results, yeah, right? Buddies, there's yeah. there's Belichick that look, I'm your boss. Yep. Like, there's no question about the role that I play in this, and there's no yep. question about the role where you know maybe another situation the the lines get blurred a little bit, right. and, and I right. get that. Yeah. But let me let me go to that. Um, you you were not like necessarily jaded 
by the corporate structure and corporate world and how, how CEOs are supposed to act. You, you got to create your own mm-hmm. path. What was, mm-hmm. what was that culture that you envisioned St. Archer having saying, I got a blank canvas. I can do what I want. Cause, cause I don't care about what anybody else says. Yeah. You know, I really never focused on, I think like, um, for me, I was just focused on winning Yeah, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and really, having the blinders on to like, I hired people to do the day to day management of folks. Um, now I have it really down. I work with the same people that are my closest friends in the world. And, um, now it's just trusting folks at, at this point. Um, but like the, you know, back then I, I was just so focused on winning and driving the brand forward that, you know, we didn't really do much of anything from a culture perspective. I think, um, in a lot of ways, my intensity and, and, um, and maybe people's fear of what I would say or do in certain situations, maybe kept them in line. Right. And, uh, we just talked I, about I that. Mean, not, yeah. Fear. Fear is a good thing. Yeah. Fear is a good thing. And, and I think with, with, you know, the unknown is scary. Mm-hmm. And so when they don't see me all the time and they're like, is he mad or sad or happy or, right. you know, I think, I think when they don't know what, what the vibe is and they just got to work hard and, and, and kind of hang on, right. you yeah. kind of can get the best work out of folks. Right. Yeah. You know, like, um, when they get too comfortable, that's when things start to slide. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Man, yeah. Two, two things are sticking out to me as I'm sitting here listening to you talk about you that, that I can just, that are just overwhelming about you is number one, your competitiveness. I mean, you've dropped that word two or three times. You're talking about winning. And then number uh-huh. two, you're not afraid to step into something you don't really know the answers to. And For to sure. me, that is so admirable because I'm typically, I'm learning how to do that. But typically I'm the guy, I've got to get all the answers. I've got to research. I've got to learn before I step uh-huh. in. What's cool about hearing your story Comment. is like, yeah. I don't know anything about brewery. I don't know nothing. I'm going to move my family and we're going to get after it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I love hearing that. Want to take a quick break from the episode and tell you guys about a brand new partnership. Uh, because you guys listen to the podcast, uh, companies are now coming to us yes. and wanting to be a part of this. Yeah. And that's 100% because of you guys. So wanted to tell you about an exciting new partnership. Man, this is have. a great, great partnership. And it's a longtime friendship that I've had with Choctaw Casino and Resort located uh, in Durant, Oklahoma, just across the Red River here. Uh, easy drive, great people. Great resort. The new renovations going on. Got a fantastic pool that's outside. So if you got kids, if you have kids, or if you just want to get away uh, alone with your wife, your girlfriend, uh, whatever, your partner, doesn't matter what it is, go over to uh, uh, Choctaw Casino Resort. Have a great time. Again, we always talk about relationships on this podcast. We have a great relationship with Walt, Walter Allen, who's over there, and, and the people over at Choctaw Casino have just been wonderful. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, you don't have a wife and a girlfriend at the same time. Yeah, a little bit of both, <laughs> but have a good time anyway. But yeah, like Darren said, go check them out. Choctaw Casino and Resort. Now back to the episode. And I think that's what I was saying, though. Even if I, you know, having that type of personality, Janine, you know, could have said, are you out of your mind? Right. We're not moving to San Diego. We have two kids. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I, like we're not going anywhere. And I think, I think that would happen in a lot of cases, you know, and I think mm-hmm. it's interesting when people maybe hear that and they go, I mean, how supportive really are you? Mm-hmm. Are you supportive because 
your your husband or wife, it's not an option to to even be supportive, right? You know they're not going anywhere, so it's real easy to say you are. Right. Right. But if you were really presented with that and they wanted to like make a change and really kind of flip things on its head, would you really be down or not? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I can't even say, I'm not sure what I would have done if the roles were reversed, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like I, I don't know, but, um, but I think, yeah, me, you know, kind of having that support system and then having that, it's funny is like, I have anxiety and, and fear in my personal life, but in my business life, I have zero. Really? It's like the, it's like the mechanism's not there, Something which is it. bizarre. Yeah, yeah. that's know? an athlete, like, though. So yeah. Me, yeah, it's like, so let me get this straight. You're scared to fly, but you're not scared to negotiate a deal with Budweiser in the middle of it? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, it, you know, like, it's, uh, I think that's, it's just, that's, but that goes back to the kind of the God-given deal, yeah. right? Yeah. You can't learn that at school. I don't care where you go. Oh, that's yeah. so true. Man. It's, it's It speaks to, like, the athletes that are out there in the world as well. They have this mindset where they'll run through a wall and yep. they'll you don't have to tell them anything. They're just going to hit the biggest guy, and they'll compete and fight, and then they get off the field, and yep. they can't get in front of a, a CEO and have a conversation because they're freaking scared, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and that that's it. I, I want to walk through this, this situation because I know there's a lot of listeners that probably want to hear the fact of how when you went about selling the company. Yeah, $100 million mm-hmm. sticks out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> walk us through mm-hmm. how that went. I mean, was there a call? Did you get a call late at night or were, did you, were you proactive in, in making calls or what? How did that yeah, happen? I mean, I think in a lot of, I think in a lot of cases you got to go out and get it, you right. know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I raised 10 million through the first two years and I needed 10 more million. And, um, you know, we, we, I got an offer, uh, for $30 million for the business. And I said, I mean, I know it's only been two years, but could we really sell the business and like partner someone and kind of really take this, this brand to a national level? Like I, like that was my goal. And, um, so I hired an investment banker and, Mm -hmm. and, um, I put together a deck and made a film kind of telling the story and we sent it out to five different breweries. And, and, you know, I think typically you would have your investment banker go and kind of represent you. And, and, um, I didn't do that. I went, I did it all. Um, I negotiated the deals and like, like you said, we wound up selling it for almost triple that to cores about three months later. How were they? Wait a minute. So you had an offer at about 30, right? Yeah. What was that conversation with, with yeah. your investors? Or yeah. your wife. Uh, <laughs> or the wife. I, yes. didn't even, I didn't even tell them. There's a reason I'm the CEO and founder of this company. Yeah, wow. You are not. I love it. Shit, yeah. but, um, you just but, take yeah, your check I, and be happy about it. Yeah. Um, and the brand was worth more than that. Yeah. You right. know, like, um, and I think everybody believed that. Yeah. Um, so I, I knew they'd say, Hey, if that's there, like, let's go see what else is out there. Yeah. And, um, and fortunately for us, we were able to get it done. And, um, it was, it was pretty, it was crazy. Yeah. You know, it was a, it was a crazy deal. Yeah. So um, you mentioned, you mentioned that, you know, being a, a CEO is, is a lonely place, but my, my very limited knowledge of the alcohol industry is, is it is its own kind of world, right? It's distribution yeah. network. It's, it's laws that are yeah. associated with it. How did you yeah. learn? Did you have someone that, that you eventually found, or did you just figure it out yourself? 
figured it out myself. Yeah. Nice. Just as I went along and, um, tried to talk to as many people as I could and, and in craft beer, I mean, it's, a, it is a very, um, you know, I think I, I, I think for most folks that are starting a craft brewery, it's, it's very, it's a very welcoming place. If you kind of go, the way that everybody wants you to go where there's like the, the local breweries that do well. And then you kind of talk to them. And, um, I never did that. I never really gave a fuck what any of them felt or thought about what I was doing. And I was trying to sell beer to the masses. So I was selling beer at the hotels and at the beaches and, and, and where the 95 percentile was. And I never went and tried to kiss people's ass to, to kind of get them to accept my beer business. And, Mm it might've rubbed people the wrong way, but in the end, you know, I changed people's lives that invested in me and I would do it a hundred times out of a mm, hundred. Right. Awesome. All right. So you sell St. Archer, right? Yeah. And what was the next step? When did you sit back for a while and think, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to sit on my, sit well, on my no, so you, so, so part of the deal was you stayed on board, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I had a, I was supposed to stay for five years. All right. Um, so you had a five year contract. Yep. And then we got 18 months in and like I said, it just what I wanted and what they wanted just wasn't adding up. And I think like, you know, I think there's that it's like the typical story where, you know, they, they want to go a certain speed or they want to go in a certain direction. Right. And I don't. All right. So was there a non, was there a non compete people? I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. there was, yeah, no, all, right. all good. Um, there was for two years and, um, and then I, I just left and, and we started a, um, I started an organic coconut water and, um, organic kids juice business called villager and little villager. Mm-hmm. Um, and did that for about three years and then, um, started a alcohol distribution business here in San Diego called scout. And then another brewery called Harlan mm. and a wine business called Claxton. And then about a year later, I founded Ashland hard seltzer. Mm. So are those um, other are those other brands are those still active? All of them are yes. Yeah. So okay. Villager, um, kind of going through COVID, um, we, you know, the brand was doing well, and I think the investors were a little bit fatigued, and mm. and um, you know, it was really hard for us to raise capital through the summer, yeah. and instead of the brand taking a loss, I decided to pivot the business and turn it into a ready to drink cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, called Villager Spirits, which launches in June here in Southern California. Nice. Right. Very nice. Yeah. So I think, you know, for me, I think that, you know, when you kind of, I think if you're a business owner and you sell your business, you know, you typically would just stay with St. Archer. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And, and you would ride your career out and go to the beach and mm-hmm. buy a couple more cars and, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. that's it. But for for me, I started, you know, six or seven more businesses. And that's so. what I was trying to get to is wondering, you know, because there's a lot of us, a lot of people that have sold their businesses and then they're, you know, they're mm-hmm. done for a little bit and then they're back on it. And people yeah. always ask that question, you know, man, you just mm-hmm. sold your business for a hundred million dollars. What the hell are you mm-hmm. doing? So is that, yeah. is it just, how old will you be, Josh, and still mm-hmm. working? forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not going to, I mean, me retiring, it's like, you might as well just put a gun in my mouth. Man. <laughs> sure. Like that's like, it's just, it, you know, it's like, I'm just not, that's not for me. Yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's just not, it's not for me. It doesn't need to be, I mean, I've kind of figured it out now. Right. It's, 
it's not as crazy as it used to be. And like, you know, we have great people and, and kind of, I know how to do these things now. Um, so it's, it's pretty well streamlined. It's still really hard and dramatic and stressful and all those types of things. But, Mm. you know, I think for, um, I enjoy doing it. It's not, it's not really, it really has nothing to do with the money. If it did, I would have just quit after St. Archer. Um, but I never, you know, I'd never really been, um, I never felt anything through all of the success and, and people always ask where, you know, where did it, you know, when did you finally like, go? I did it or that was amazing. And, and most people think it's from money or the material, but for me, um, it came about a year ago. I mean, just, just recently where, um, you know, the, the, uh, my mom, like I said, was from Philadelphia and, when I was a kid, we used to, that was the one trip we did. We'd go back and see our family around Christmas. And, um, if I was lucky enough, we'd go to a game at the vet mm. and I'd look at the stadium as we're flying in. And, um, as a little kid, I remember, you know, four or five years old. And then I was going back, um, just before COVID and, um, having dinner with Howie and, and kind of just catching up and, and going through the Ashland business, and I'm looking out the window and, and looking at Lincoln Financial going, mm. I'm 41 years old and, you know, the GM and, and vice president of the Eagles is an investor and I'm mm. flying back here yeah. to me. I did it. <laughs> yeah. I did it. That's I did awesome, it. Man. And, it, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't anything material. It was my, my childhood favorite sports team and, mm. and how that kind of came full circle yeah. and, now he probably wishes never met me because I'm like, dude, what is going on with Carson? Why the fuck did we fire Doug? What? <laughs> and just hammering him constantly. Right. But I think, um, but that was it for me. That yeah. was the moment where I went, dude. Everything from here is is kind of gravy, That's you know. Awesome. So, so what brings you joy now? You know, because we just had this conversation about money and how it doesn't actually do for you what you think it's going to do. Your no. life's not all of a sudden just peaches and rainbows. Like it, no, it's cool for a second and then you just move on. So what brings you joy day to day? Um, probably, you know, the birds getting Devonte Smith at 10. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah, we gift wrap that Thank one for you. you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I mean, I think for me, it, it, it's, you know, I, 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 it's the simple, it's the, it's the little things. You know, it really, I mean, money has caused it in a lot of ways. It's made things easier and a lot of things it's, it's made things more personally challenging. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, when you have it, people treat you differently. Um, and you know, like my dad showing up at my house and asking me for money. I hadn't Mm -hmm. seen him in five years. You know, I've, I've had people ask me for cars and, and yeah, dude, you, you got, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Darren, you, you can't know. relate to that. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> and I think you, and that's, you know, it's it when you, it's a bummer, you know, mm-hmm. it makes you view people, you get a little bit more withdrawn. At least I did. Like I, 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 instead of like going out and seeking more attention, I wanted to just stay home more and kind of just not deal with the bullshit and the, mm-hmm. the small talk and the, you know, people asking for things. Right. Um, and so for me, it's the simple stuff now, just being with the kids at the beach and, and, um, kind of trying to relax as much as I can and, and, you know, surf or go for a swim and, um, spending time with Janine and the kids like it, and it really nothing material, like it, it's fun to go on vacation, but 
I don't think anyone, I think, I think most of the people that I know that are successful are miserable, Damn. you know, like yeah. they're, they, you know, the cars and the, and the houses and the stuff and the dude, most of them are depressed, yeah. Yeah. you know, like, and I've been there through businesses, the anxiety, and I've had mild depression. I've been through all of that. Yeah. You know, at least I'm just feel blessed that I never thought to myself, once I make this money, then everything will go away. Right. Um, I knew it was going to take work for me to kind of get myself to a kind of even keeled place. And it's been a lot of work yeah. and, um, and meditation and, you know, um, you know, believing in God and all those things has been a huge deal for me. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to us about balance. Cause as an entrepreneur, that idea almost seems to be yeah. foreign. Right? right. And I don't, and I yeah. don't, somebody explained it to me one time and, and I truly in my heart believe it. It was, it was Matt Chandler. He's a pastor mm-hmm. here in Dallas. And, uh, and I, and I asked him that and I, cause I was struggling. I just transitioned from football into a new career. Mm-hmm. I, I was, is, am struggling right, with balance, right. but but mm-hmm. he said, there's no such thing. A balance, yeah. balance when it, by its definition on a scale, the weights are still and they don't move. Yep. Life is always changing. There's ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. There's always this. But for you, as you're going through this, how did you, how did you manage family, business, mm-hmm. personal time or, or didn't you and learning it later yeah, in life? I did. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, the first, the, the two years of St. Archer were the hardest two years of my marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, that's the stuff people don't see, yeah, you know, right. like that's what, you know, they see the, the success of the brand or, or, you know, they see success on the field or whatever it is. And they think everything is amazing. And, and, um, and it's just not right. right? Like, you know, the, those, those nights where, you know, Janine's crying and doesn't want me to go and the kids are going nuts and she's frustrated and, and then you go to work anyway. Yeah. Mm. And like, that's the, that's the stuff. And I don't even know how proud of that I am. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even, I don't think people, it's funny because people are applauded for being kind of these, um, intimidating, competitive, like hard driving assholes in business. But really, if you think about those personality qualities, that sounds awful. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound like someone you want to be around. That's not someone you want your kids to date and eventually marry. Like that's not, that's not what you're trying to be as a person. At least, um, I'm not trying to be that person. And so I think, you know, being self-aware and really it's not balance. It's really just taking everything one day at a time now. And like, you know, you can't fix all the problems. You can't make everybody happy. You can't like win everything in one day. Like you can't just one day at a time, man. Yeah. And, and those are like, those are the bumps and the obstacles that you face being an entrepreneur. And it's just, it's For the sure. reality of, of what it is. And everyone's not built to be this. And that's no. the reality. Everyone's not built to be an entrepreneur. But I do have a question for you because you brought up the joy in your life and you mm-hmm. brought up your kids. Mm-hmm. What yeah. kind of father are you going to be as far as business? I'll, I'll just, we'll go back to the other part, but as far as business, are you going to bring your kids into the mm-hmm. business world and give them an understanding of what that looks like? They're already very well versed. Mm. Um, I think for me, your education didn't really do anything for me. And of course I'm like, I didn't go, but you are and shut up. Right. <laughs> like, um, and, uh, it'd be, but I think for me, the way I look at it is I always tell them, if you can have, 
um, if you can be taught what it's really like on the street and in real life, and you can also have a classroom education and you're pretty tough to beat, right, you know, yeah. like it's, it's, um, but really learning in the streets and what, what the real world is, is the most important thing. It's, mm-hmm. um, and they're, but they've been, I mean, they go to meetings with me. They've, they, they've been in, they've been in my cores meeting. They, my daughter goes, when we have different distributor, she goes and mm. she sits right next to me and people will say like, Hey, you're, you know, what's your daughter doing here? And I'm like, the fuck are you yeah, doing shut here? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm worried about my daughter. I'll, I'll fucking your, leave in two seconds. Yeah. So Get your eyes off my daughter. <laughs> yeah. So don't, don't, don't worry about her, man. Yeah. You know, like that, I think, you know, but it's invaluable. And I think it's important too, for them to see what their dad does yeah. and, and what, cause really the kids, you guys know they, they kind of grow up and, and we try and, you know, give them everything. But in a lot of ways, that's fantasy land, mm, you right. know, like I didn't grow up like that. And, um, I didn't grow up with the things my kids have. So at the least they can, they can come with me and go and this, this grind that I'm on for all this is real and you guys are going to appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Talk about that a little bit, how you, how you keep them hardened if you will, because they're yeah. obviously growing up in a much different situation than you. So how do you keep them calloused yeah. in their mind? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, we constantly talk about it and I think they, you know, I don't hide how hard things are, you know, I don't try and make things look perfect. And, mm. um, and I think, you know, all of our closest friends are, are working class folks. Mm. You know, I think that, you know, we, they live in, in a very nice area, but I think, you know, Janine and I come from nothing. You know, when mm. we, when we got married, we sold our wedding presents, mm-hmm. you know, they, wow. they know what it took to get here. Mm-hmm. And I think like, I always tell them, I mean, this is the 1%, Yeah, yep. you know, like chances are this isn't even in the cards for you guys, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is okay. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't have to be like me to this. It doesn't equal happy, right. but to get this, it, it requires an extreme amount of sacrifice and perseverance. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's not for everybody, you know, like it's, it's not for everybody, but I think, you know, there's little things that you can do that I think, you know, it, it would it be nice for them to be driving a, you know, $50,000 car for their first car? Sure. Would I ever do that? There's no chance in hell. hell no. <laughs> right? So, I bought my daughter's first car you know, five years ago, by the way. <laughs> She's nine. I mean, my, yeah, my, my first car was $1,500 and the yep. glove box oh, used to man. fall off of my wife's uh, legs. Yeah. So, my so, first car was a minivan. I feel you. Uh, isn't it funny? You guys see these kids driving around. They're driving man. around like a $100,000 oh, yeah. whip and you're like, where do you even go from there? You don't, there know. is no I way mean, up. Man. Really though, two of the worst areas uh, in the country, San Diego and Dallas. I mean, it's true. It's, it's, it's crazy. True. It's the crazy. stuff that I, It's insane. Yeah. Man. Well, it's insane. It's gross. Yes. Yeah. That's the right word. And, and that's, yeah. that's what I think. I've got a four year old and a one year old, two boys. And that's what I think about constantly is they're growing up in a different way than I did. So how yeah. do I keep the perspective how do I yeah. expose them? You know, you come from a poor neighborhood, you want to be exposed to wealth. You come yeah. from a quote unquote, you know, upper class, whatever. Wealthy, say what it is. You live in the richest city in the United States. Go ahead and there say you it. Go. Let's go. You, you've got to, in my opinion, I've got to show them that this isn't the whole world. Like there's, 
people yeah. that live a lot different than we do. Well, if you think about it, I mean, just on the day to day, everything starts in the home, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, you know, the way you speak and, and, you know, treat your spouse and, and treat your kids, like that's what they learn. That's yeah. what molds them, right? The way you, you know, manners and, and, uh, the way they speak to other folks and, and the way they treat other people, you know, you, it's different than when we were all kids, right? Like right. these, the way these kids talk to their folks now, my mom would have slapped the living oh fucking daylight. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, it just wouldn't, you know, so there's just, you know, but it's, they see their friends, maybe someone speaks like that. And then, but yeah. if they know forever, Hey, that's, that's not happening here. Yeah. Not in this right. House. Like there's, yeah. there's, um, you're going to have respect and, and that's going to follow through with, with the rest of your life, hopefully yeah. for yeah. yourself and other people. But yeah. I think, it's a lot of hard work being a parent. You know, it's easy to be that parent that just checks out, especially how busy I am, but I don't miss anything. I mean, that's the reason why I'm not there with you. My son's first junior Olympic water polo games tomorrow. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome. He has to be there at six 30 and there over my dead body. Would I ever miss that? That's right. So yeah, I get it. by um, the way, I want to, I want to validate water polo, by the way. The only time I really feel like I was close to death was when I was in a pool with a water polo player. Dude, that's I because sink. you're. That's I because you're. Sink. I can't. Yeah, you I sink. Flow for a you a sink. Second. Boy, it, how many? How All right, many? Come on, let's go. Our race jokes. Come on, no, let's go. Go, let's get it. How many black water polo You We're going to right to the bottom. Like there's no way that's happening. But for real, like I have so much respect for those for you and, and, and those athletes because holy smokes, man, it yeah. is it's tough. It's a tough sport. It's crazy. It's I was a wrestler too, right? And people are like, oh, wrestling's tough too. No, wrestle in water, because that's what they do. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's tough. Hey, it's so, tough. so what's more difficult? Managing and running a one hundred million dollar company or raising kids? I mean, raising kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not even I mean, because you know, at the end, the hundred million dollar company goes out of business. All you got is your wife and kids, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, oh, like that yeah. never goes away. Like the ones that are doing it right, that never goes away. Yeah. Right. So like, you gotta like, you gotta put the work in there and then you'll have a chance to be successful with your business. Right. Yeah. I want to, we want to ask some questions that maybe some, some guidance advice that you would give to young entrepreneurs, but, but kind of first, before we get there, I want to kind of wrap up on for lack of your portfolio, right. Your of companies. What are you most excited about over the next five years about the brands that you have? Um, I think I'm more excited with the people that I'm working with now. Mm. You know, I feel like, um, like I said, I, my closest friends are here. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been, we've been able to hire because of the success, we've been able to hire the, the best of the best. Yeah. And I think the, the, the more I don't, I know what I'm not good at and I know what I'm good at, but it's, it's more important to know what you suck at. Mm. And, um, so when I know there's m- many things I'm not good at and I go hire the best of the best mm-hmm. and pay them whatever they're worth and, and, and just move on and, and, you can have that comfort, but now I'm just excited about, you know, kind of getting into a groove with, with everybody that's here and, and developing brands that are leading um, categories in the U S and the alcohol business with a canned cocktail or hard seltzer or anything else. I kind of think of, I'm, I'm excited about that. And I think, 
um, most excited about, you know, building the brands. That's, that's the fun part. That's awesome. So, so you said you, you find the things you suck at, you go hire somebody and pay them whatever they're worth to do that. Why don't you try to just go do everything? Why don't you try to go attack those things that you suck at? Because just stick to the stuff you're good at, you know, like, and, and just be really fucking good at it. Right. <laughs> and, Breach. and then everything else, like why yeah. I'd rather be like, <laughs> I'd rather be the best like leader and, um, overall person driving the company forward. And, yeah. and, um, and then all of the day to day things hire the best of the best because mm-hmm. they're not the best leaders or they would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like us yeah. three and our, our dynamic, we're, we're kind of like a married couple, like, and we kind of consider these ca- counseling sessions. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, if we'll, you're in like a we'll counseling pay you session, later. <laughs> yeah, for real, <laughs> but, but really, but yeah, really yeah. what you are is you're paying that counselor to tell your spouse what they're doing wrong. Right. And so that's what the, yeah. the, a lot of our questions, like if I think of a question, I'm thinking, okay, Ben, ben needs to hear this for sure. <laughs> or Darren's got to hear yeah. this for sure. We're the so, most <laughs> dysfunctional marriage you've ever seen. <laughs> I got questions about Ashlyn. I, I yeah. know there's like, you know, there's a lot going around uh, that right now. And there's a lot of buzz. So tell us a little mm. bit about Ashley. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, you know, in the summer of 2019, our alcohol distribution business needed a hard seltzer. And, you know, it was really when White Claw started exploding and, mm-hmm. and truly was out before them, but, but really hadn't come out of the gates like White Claw did. And, I, everybody was drinking it. You know, it's one of those things where you can see it. You're like, what? And then it's everywhere. Right. Right. It, it, it went from like, what is that to everyone has it. Mm-hmm. And, um, case in point of kind of what I was saying about noticing a category and seeing brands asleep at the wheel, like white claw was a phenomenon, but I think hard seltzer was really replacing beer in a Absolutely. lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Where the young people, um, we're saying like when we, when we grew up, it would, you would drink shitty beer in high school oh, and yeah. you'd kind of, you know, maybe step up a little bit. Yep. Now the young people aren't even getting to beer. No. They're just mm. saying, well, Ashland or White Claws, you know, 5% alcohol, no sugar, hundred calories. And, and then us guys, our age and gals, our age are saying, well, I don't want the sugar. Cause yeah, like, right. yeah. this is your last chance to be like somewhat, somewhat decently healthy. healthy yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, this is it, man. This is our <laughs> shot. And, um, and so I think it, it really all age demographic, everything, yeah. everything, you know, it, it, it's for everyone. And I didn't see a brand that people cared about, you know, they, they, they white claw was more of a gimmick. It wasn't something that people were like getting behind. Mm-hmm. And, um, I knew I could create that. And so, you know, like with St. Archer, we had surfers and skaters, like I said, and I, you know, a lot of them are speaking to the same audience. And, and over the years I've been able to meet more folks. And I always said, like, if I ever did another one like that, I'd go get you know, football players and baseball, three, three washed up they, uh, football players, <laughs> three washed no. up football no. players. Everyone has their place. Right. So, like, so, um, so you got, you kind of go get your, where you're speaking to all walks of life. And, yeah. and, and that's what we did, you know, and, and the brand just like, I've never seen anything like it. I'd right. never, the first year we were the fastest growing hard seltzer in, in the U S and it was, I mean, St. Archer at its height, um, 
two and a half years in statewide, California was doing about a hundred thousand six packs a month, right oh. around there, right, right around there. Ashland six months in was doing 400,000 six packs in San Diego. Wow. Just in San Diego. I mean, it was, uh, yeah. Jeez. Mm, yeah. It was what? astonishing. You know what? The, so what it was, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Yeah. It was, it was like nothing I'd ever seen. Obviously, you know, maybe getting into a pandemic and it's, and it's acceptable for people to get wasted at 10 a.m. and put it on the gram. Um, But that's the thing about seltzer, right? Is you don't get judged by drinking like a a hard seltzer in the day, right? right. It's kind of this, that day you get the day fade with the hard seltzer. Like that's culturally good. Guess what? There's more hours. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. But there's more hours of sunlight. So if you want to attack that drinking window, that's a bigger window. Yeah, it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And I think like, you know, there's been a lot of brands that have come out around us, you know, like Bud Light has theirs Mm -hmm. and Corona and the Coors brands. And but like what they all seem to miss is people want authenticity and often it doesn't come from a me too business. Like you're you're a beer business. Just do that. Yeah, you right. know, like just, and we're a hard seltzer business and that's what people gravitate towards. Like you they know, want you to be doing your own thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 But the visual, honestly, when I look at the brand, the visual of, and the label and the packaging, oh, man, was beautiful. awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, is Thank that, you. is that, I'm not going to give you any credit. Was that <laughs> you or was that Janine? That's me. Yeah. All Come on. Janine had nothing to do with that. She's had something to do with every brand. She's had like, you know, I look at cans and she's all, you know, they'd look better if they're all colored. And I'm like, God damn it. You know? So You're she right. has, she, she has her hand in, in every single one of them oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But right. it's fun. That's one of my favorite parts is just creating the, the, the aesthetics of these brands. Yeah. Yeah. Man. And that's what's cool, right? Is that comes from the creator of the brand, not some marketing firm out of New York or LA yep. or so, I mean, that's what, that's the authenticity, yeah. right? And you can feel that. Yeah. So man, kudos. I to mean, that. I, I mean, all of the, all of the films from St. Archer to now I've made all of them. I still do the Instagram. Like I, I, I still, I'm the one who's doing them even as they get huge and you know, they're doing millions of dollars in sales. Like I'm, I'm doing it. Wow. What, what would you tell somebody, whether they're, you know, they're about to start a business, you know, they have that entrepreneurial spirit, they're about to get going, or they mm-hmm. just graduated from grad school like our producer off screen you can't see here. What mm-hmm. would you tell somebody who's about to start a journey of something, whether it's business, whether it's a, a new career, what would you tell somebody in those shoes? Um. I think I would say before you get started, really like look in the mirror and, and I think people are drawn to what they think it could be rather than like what the process is. Mm -hmm. And when you look in the mirror and really ask yourself and really like reflect back on who you are, are you an employee? Are you a business owner? Are you an entrepreneur? And those three things are really different. Uh, yes. And I think when you, when you look at yourself and, and none of them are better or worse, they're just sure. different types of folks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think when people like really look at yourself, don't, don't say you're something because you want to be that. Right. Like, what have you done? What behavior in the past has shown you that you are that person? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, you know, for me, it's written all over my childhood, yeah. right? Like it's, it's, um, you know, I wanted to start a t-shirt company when I was seven with my friends and like all, all 
it's right. all, it's all the way through. Right. Um, and you know, I think it was always there making films is very entrepreneurial, right? Yeah. You're, mm-hmm. you're creating it, you're finding distribution for them. You're, you're finding funding for them. You're, you're trying to, you know, connect the dots and, um, really applying that to, to starting a business. There, there's a lot of similarities. And I think for people they're they're more enamored with the end goal rather than I was always enamored with the process. Awesome. Are you ready? Well, hold on. A couple, a couple more questions. Uh, one, keep sorry. Going. I was, I had my phone out and I apologize. I was, I was trying to see. So what is the, I was looking for Ashland, like, okay, how can I get the in Texas? So what's the rollout strategy? When are we going to get Ashland here? God, I wish I knew, man. <laughs> um, hopefully soon. Okay. Hopefully soon. We just need to be able to make enough to like get out of Southern California. <laughs> so, well, we can help um, you find a spot in Texas if you yeah. want to start here and go, go out from the country. As soon as, as soon as we can do that, you know, I think we're Texas is, is high on the list. That's yeah. for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. One more question. Then Ben's, Ben's going to hit you with our, with our uh, finisher. But uh, so you've gotten to travel the world to, you know, mm-hmm. surfing, filming, um, business, mm-hmm. uh, what what is one spot and let's let's just keep it to surfing what is like your favorite surf spot yeah. on the planet it's the gold coast of australia okay hmm. yeah this is i mean easy answer that was other, it. yeah yeah easy answer it's the only other place i mean hawaii too but the gold coast of australia is is um man tough to beat yeah well, it's because you can get eaten by great whites. I was going to say, aren't there great whites? <laughs> yeah, that? there's great whites everywhere, man. Yeah, I just don't see, that's why we don't get in the pool. I don't even get in the pool. Jellyfish. I don't even get in the pool, man. I'm telling you. There's All right. Yeah. Yeah, Follow-up question. So that's a great – what about culture, like people? Like what culture of people did you enjoy visiting the most? You know what's funny is – and I've been pretty much everywhere. The, uh-huh. the place I felt the most – um, out of place and like a real foreigner is in Japan. Mm. Um, you know, traveling through there. And I mean, when you can't get out of the airport cause you can't read the signs, that's a pretty good indicator. You're, <laughs> you're, um, not meant to you're, be you're probably, yeah, you're probably going to need a little bit of help, but honestly, I like going back East oh. and, um, I like, I like being on the East coast and, you know, it's a totally different world out there than yeah. it is Southern yeah. California. Yeah. You know, it's, I really enjoy that. I love, you know, the kids and, and we love going back to Philadelphia, obviously in New York and, and Boston. And, and it's just a different going back to the kids, seeing different folks, you know, when you're staying in a hotel in center city, Philadelphia, you see a lot more than you see here in, you know, Encinitas and La Jolla. And, you know, it's, it's uh, you, but you see what it, what it really is. And I think it's important to see the different cultures we have here and, and, um, more so than maybe abroad. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Dallas, Texas, got it. That's, that's a good answer. Yes, yeah, great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna bring the kids here one of these days, and we're gonna turn them. They're gonna be cowboy fans. You watch. That I would die. I know you would. I'm calling Janine up. Tell her, hey, look, we got the no, flights. We're taking know. them to the star. I have told them verbatim. <laughs> If you marry a Cowboys fan, you know what jersey you have on fucking week one. Hey. You don't don't you ever pay for your own wedding. No, they know. They know. They they it's very well ingrained in their Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Well, Man, this has been an absolute blast. I, I, I keep waiting. You know, we've done tons of these. We've been doing this for about a year now, this podcast. And I keep waiting for, awesome. for it to not be fun anymore. But yeah, it, every awesome. single one 
and every person we meet and get to talk I to bet. and hear their story. I it's bet. just been your story, man, and, and just your your spirit, mm-hmm. your your work ethic, your competitiveness. I mean, it really is inspiring, and, and we so much Thank appreciate you. you sharing this time. Our last question. For sure. Our last question. We ask every guest this. If you could go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing, doesn't necessarily mean you go change anything, but if you could just go tell yourself one thing, where mm-hmm. do you go and what do you tell yourself? Um, I'd probably, I mean, I'd probably be middle school um, and probably tell myself a couple things first and foremost to just, it sounds cliched, but to really be yourself um, and not try and, you know, change to please a certain crowd or group of folks or fit in or, um, you know, cause ultimately that winds up being difficult for you. Right. And then you, you wake up 20 years later and you go, wait a minute, who, who am I yeah. for real? Mm-hmm. I've been trying to be something that I, that maybe I'm not for so many years, just trying to kind of fit in. And, um, I definitely would have said that. And I think I would have said, try and have a little bit more fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, um, try and enjoy what you're doing and kind of not take for granted these amazing opportunities and, and, you know, really, really soak it in. Don't, don't wait to the end, like really enjoy it in the middle, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's, That's great. That's gold. Well, Josh, man, we really appreciate, really appreciate your time, it. man. This for was sure. so fun, man. So fun. And I don't even call it an interview. For sure. man. This was not an interview. This was a conversation. Yeah. And yeah, then, it was great, man. Yeah. I love it. Wow. Yeah. All right, so what's your spot in San Diego, favorite surf spot? Is it Point Loma? You go, I mean. Right here, yeah, just in Encinitas right nice. here. Right. Whenever you guys are in town, hit me up. Okay. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. we'll, go, we'll, go, we'll go look at a couple shows. That's a video. That's yeah. a video. That's a 100% a video. Yeah. Do they make tandem surfboards? You, you might have to ride with Darren. I'll be holding on to your leg. <laughs> you got to get the you live jacket. I get you down there. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, hey, so, Josh, how do, how do people find you? If they need to, if our audience wanted to find you, how do they, how do they go about it? I mean, not you personally, your brands, right? Yeah. Brands. Just spend money Absolutely. on your yeah, brands. Just on Instagram, Ashlyn and, um, Ashlyn Hard Seltzer and, uh, Villager Spirits. And those are, those are the best two to keep up with what we got going on. All right. What about those documentaries you made? Can we, can yeah. we get a hold of those somehow? Cause I'm I, like, I grew up watching Kelly Slater. So I, and I, and I, I may have, I may have seen it, right? I probably saw your I documentary. Mean, I wish that, I mean, when you start directing people to like DVD purchases on eBay, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so VHS. you know my mom by chance, I don't know if you're going to be able to pick up those things. <laughs> Man, I got a tub, I got a tub in my garage right now. My parents just brought over all of my like high school highlight tapes on VHS and I'm oh, like, man, what am I supposed to do with these? Dude, you don't lie. Uh, You've been watching those since you got them. <laughs> First thing I did was eBay. All right. Converter. <laughs> no, seriously, you got to go to like a garage sale and get one of those things. <laughs> For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. For well, sure. man, we, uh, yeah. we appreciate your time. Man. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. For sure. All right, all right brother. man. Well, all the best, man. Talk soon. Thanks guys. Thanks all brother. Right.